do you have any amazing family recipes? You know the type of recipe that you pass down from generation to generation? My mom has an amazing homemade chili recipe. Hi, mom. Happy Mother's Day. I'll call you a little bit later. The recipe is its just so good, and I, I remember craving it. I remember specifically a time in college. It was the middle of the night, and I'm standing in an aisle in the middle of a grocery store, and I'm thinking about making her chili, so I, I give her a call, and I say, hey, Mom, what goes into the chili? What's the recipe? And she said, well, I mean, it's a dash of this and a little bit of that. And I get all the ingredients. I, I go home, and I make the chili, and it is terrible. I mean, it just did not work. I'm not a great cook. Now, I've practiced that recipe a hundred times or so, and it's getting a little bit better. And hopefully, my kids will, will like it so much that they'll call me, maybe not in the middle of the night in college, but they'll call me and say, hey, Dad, do you remember that homemade chili recipe? We'd love to learn that from you, and we'd be able to pass it down from generation to generation. And when it comes to recipes, the ingredients that we add matter a lot. And the way we go about cooking things matter a lot too. Now today, we're continuing a series that we're calling Squad Goals. And we're talking about all sorts of different healthy relationships. And today, specifically, we're talking about step families, or maybe you've heard them called blended families. Now, before you start tuning out and, and turning the, I guess you're not turning the channel, but before you stop paying attention, I know that maybe you're not in a blended family, but the principles that we're talking about today really do apply to all sorts of different healthy family situations. And if you're not in a blended family, you likely know a blended family. So what are the ingredients that go into making a healthy blended family? What does the recipe call for? Let's head over to the kitchen and see what we can whip up. Welcome to our home. More specifically, welcome to our kitchen. What better place to talk about families than at a kitchen counter, right? Now, when it comes to blended families, there are a lot of different dynamics that come into play, just like a good recipe. So let me introduce you to our ingredients. This is our blended family. Meet Mr. Hot Dog. Now, Mr. Hot Dog has a daughter, and Mr. Hot Dog fell in love with Miss Veggie, and Miss Veggie has a son. Now, Miss Veggie and Mr. Hot Dog fell in love, and they decided to get married and move in together and bring their two separate families into the same families. So, how do you think that recipe works? Well, I think it stands to reason that a blended family might be made in a blender. Let's see how that works out. So here's what a blender does. It aggressively combines two families into one mixture. And I completely understand why we would want to be able to do that, but it's really difficult to force families together. Sometimes the family members get torn to pieces. <laughs> Now, some step families 
don't know how to figure out or navigate some of the different pressures that come along with being a blended family. You have a, an ex-wife or an ex-spouse, new expectations, new situations, and sometimes it's hard to wait, it's hard to navigate, and we force things together. And people can get blended together, but there's a lot of pain that can come along with it. And people end up getting torn to pieces. And the results aren't very pretty. Blended families are incredibly common. There are a lot of TV shows that talk about blended families, from This Is Us to all the way back to The Brady Bunch. There's even a National Step Families Day on September 16th. There are all sorts of different flavors and shapes and sizes to our families. There are divorced parents who are, are figuring things out. There are remarried couples with kids at home, with kids out of the home. There are single parents trying to figure out a relationship. According to the U.S. Bureau of Census, over 50% of U.S. families are either remarried or recoupled, meaning that there's some flavor of a blended family. Now, another way we might cook up a blended family is with a microwave. Now, here's what a microwave does. It takes ingredients and heats things up so quickly that they become nuclear. We move too fast. We don't put in the time or the effort maybe that it takes to blend the family. We just nuke it. When we microwave a family, tensions run high, and then we wonder how we cooked all the flavor out of the family. Now remember, if you're not a blended family, you'd know one, and that's not even counting in-laws or extended family or bringing a relative into your home to live with you. Those are all different flavors of blended families too. And if we're not careful, when we microwave a blended family, things explode. What else could we use? Maybe a, a pressure cooker. A pressure cooker creates huge stress forcing things together. And in a family that looks like a, a mom or a dad yelling and screaming and asking, why can't this family just get along? Or maybe it's a parent begging and pleading with their child, please, will you like the person that I'm dating? and it can create a huge amount of pressure on the family. So none of these really worked out the way that we would hope, whether it was the blender or a microwave or a pressure cooker, they all lead to really unhealthy family recipes. But hear me, step families can work. Blended families can bond together, can be connected, can be healthy and vibrant and God-honoring. There is hope. It is possible. Now, there are a lot of examples of blended families in the Bible, and we're going to talk about one today. It's in the first book of the Bible, Genesis. So there was a guy named Joseph, and he had a bunch of different brothers and he had the same dad as his brothers, Jacob, but they had different moms. And Joseph's mom, Rachel, had actually died. And Jacob showed favoritism to Joseph. And that's a recipe in a family situation for disaster. Now, the brothers 
hated Joseph because of the gift of a really special coat that Joseph received from their father. And it says that the brothers couldn't say a kind word to Joseph. This is Genesis 37, four. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. Have you ever been in a family situation like that? Maybe a holiday? Now, often in blended families, there are challenges between children and in parents. It can get complicated fast when you've added kind of a bunch of different things to the recipe. And that could be in any family, mom and dad, stepmom, stepdad, a foster child, stepsister, stepbrothers times two or three or four. And the conflict is real and it's hard to navigate. Just ask Joseph. Now, Joseph had a dream one night about how his brothers would bow down to him. And he decided to go ahead and tell his brothers. And that didn't turn out so well. They didn't like that so much. They actually hated him more. And this isn't going well for good old Joe on the home front. So the brothers decided to get even with Joseph. They staged Joseph's death. Then they sold Joseph into slavery and he ended up in Egypt. And I think that this goes without saying, but don't do this. After a pretty crazy series of events, Joseph actually became a ruler in Egypt. He became a leader there. And eventually his brothers came to Egypt to buy food during a famine. And that dream came true. And Joseph actually forgave them. And as a result, this blended family that started off with trying to sell their brother and hating him and and putting him into slavery, for the most part ended harmoniously for the rest of their lives. And here's the rest of the story. Jacob, the dad in the story, died. And the brothers were scared that Joseph was gonna be harsh with them about what they had done to him. So they sent a message to Joseph, begging him to forgive them, which Joseph did. And he said in Genesis 50, 21 through 22, No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. So Joseph and his brothers and their families continued to live in Egypt, and Joseph lived to the age of 110. Now, next week, we're going to talk a little bit more specifically about forgiveness. But today, we're going to talk about blended families and I tell you the end of this story to tell you that blended families can succeed. Some of you may really be struggling in your family situation right now. And you're looking at Joseph and you're looking at his brothers and you're thinking, I can relate a little bit more to the early part, the the hate part, than I can the forgiveness part at the end. How in the world did this end well? That's a good question. So here's the important thing I can tell you about this. Here's where I think the difference is made. Joseph made God the priority in his family. Because Joseph was able to see his situation from God's perspective, have faith in God no matter what, and because Joseph was able 
because of his faith to forgive his brothers just like God forgives us. He lived in peace and he lived in harmony with his brothers for the rest of his life. So here it is. We're going to start right up top with the squad goal. We have to make sure is a part of our family conversation. Here it is. The main ingredient to a blended family, really any family, is making God your family's top priority. So why is this so crucial? And when you have God at the center of your life, it changes everything. It changes your perspective. I mean, you see that God brought you and your blended family together for a purpose. God did this for Joseph, and he's doing it for you. And God gives us the capacity to love and forgive others unconditionally, just like he did for us through Jesus. And in fact, it's interesting that the Bible describes our relationship with God like that of having a loving father adopting us into his family. This is Romans 8.15. It says, Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. So no, not the 70s group. The song you're probably thinking of is Dancing Queen. That's not what we're talking about. Abba, or Abba, depending on how you pronounce it, is the equivalent in Aramaic to the word dad. It's a familiar word. It's a comfortable word. And God welcomes us with this unconditional love into his family like he's our dad, offering forgiveness through what Jesus did for us on the cross. And then when we're able to accept Jesus and God's love and God's forgiveness, we have this capacity to have healthy families and love and forgive just because he's our dad. I mean, that's supernatural stuff happening. And blended families need that. And if the main ingredient in our families is focusing on God, how can we approach our family situations in the way that allows for them to be as healthy as possible? How do we honor God in the way that we live? How do we have those healthy relationships? How do we cook up the recipe for a step family? Now, instead of using a blender or using a microwave or using a pressure cooker, here's my suggestion. Let's use a crock pot. Here's what that means. Take time, lower the heat. Have you heard of the term low and slow? We probably don't think about that in the context of our families. But if you add the ingredients of time and take some of the heat away, it actually deepens the flavor in a recipe. But if you do that, if you take time and lower the heat in your relationships, it actually deepens the relationship in a family as well. So what does it mean to take time and lower the heat? Well, let's start with that concept of taking time. Here are some ways to take time. You can take time to understand. You can take time to persevere, or you can take time to be flexible. Now, that's not exhaustive, but let's start with this first one. What does it look like to take time to understand? Now, whether we admit it or not, it's sometimes difficult to understand someone else's perspective. However, if you work on understanding the journey of each person in your blended family, it can 
reap huge rewards. Here's what I mean. Have you ever thought about what the experience in your family is like from the perspective of your spouse or from the perspective of your kids? A great way to put yourself in someone else's shoes is by asking a great question. Why do you feel the way that you feel? If you really want to have an interesting conversation, ask your child, why do you feel the way that you feel? And actually stop and take time and listen to their answer. Because the thing is, there are are reasons why people behave the way that they do. There are reasons why a child who's grieving a parent not being in the picture lashes out a little bit. There are reasons why a father disciplines the way that they do. And when you hear about how they were raised, it all makes sense. There are reasons why a mother doesn't trust as readily as you think they should when you find out about past relationships. There are reasons you are the way that you are, and there are reasons I am the way that I am. Maybe not reasons that you agree with, maybe not healthy reasons, maybe not reasons you even fully understand, but they're there. And one way to make God your top priority in your family is by slowing down long enough to understand the other person in your family. So that's the first thing. Take time to understand. So say you're really working at doing this. Does it solve everything? No, it doesn't. But there are other ways that you can take time as well. Here's the second way you can take time. Take time to persevere. It's important when you're in a family situation to push through. Making a blended family work is a commitment and it will get difficult. I don't say that to discourage you. There are a lot of family situations that seem never ending, that seem impossible. And I'm not just talking about when I have to put my toddler to bed. A lot of things in families are difficult. But if your priority is God, if that's where your focus is, he calls us to face our disappointments to face our discouragements head on. And perseverance and taking the time to persevere is really trusting God and remaining faithful in the midst of life and family and that being difficult sometimes. And right now, we have an incredibly unique opportunity to take time, don't we? So we can slow down and enjoy our family as it is. But what we want to do is microwave it. And we push everyone to arrive to these preconceived destinations on my schedule. And then I I wanna quit when it gets hard. But God encourages us. And Joseph's story is an example. Take time to persevere. Here's the third way to take time. Take time to be flexible. Now, I remember getting a, car rental once on vacation. Have you ever done that? We were running a little behind, so we just kind of threw our bags in. We quickly got in, and I didn't adjust the mirrors. I didn't take time to get used to the car. I didn't move the seat or anything like that, and on the trip, especially the first time I drove the car, I kept slamming on the brakes when I got up to a red light, and I used to overcorrect, and I was drifting into different lanes, and I realized in heavy traffic, uh uh-oh, I can't see out of either of these mirrors. Now, if we try to steer our lives in the exact same way that we did before, we're bound to get it wrong. Now, there are some styles of parenting. 
or maybe some family rituals or traditions that you really like or some approaches to life, and you're grieving because they're going to be different. And being flexible on what you decide to be flexible on and making that decision is really vital to surviving. Remember, it, it's not a pressure cooker. We want things to go, but instead of creating all this stress to get things the way that you want them to, flexibility lets off a little steam. And it allows things to kind of reset. So take time to understand Take time to persevere. Take time to be flexible. Time is an important aspect to a healthy family. But it's also important to lower the heat. So here's what I mean. Lower the heat on your expectations. Lower the heat on your emotions. Lower the heat on doing it alone. Now, lowering the heat, you're taking the pressure off Take some of that intensity out. And instead of blending up that family and everybody being cut to shreds, we have this opportunity to make God that top priority. So these are really three ways to love your family well. So first, lower the heat on your expectations. What does that mean? So another important thing to realize when it comes to families is we all have unrealistic expectations. Here's another way of saying it. Sometimes we live in a fantasy world of expectations. I mean, fantasy expectations about marriage, about parenting, about vacations, about holidays, sports, you name it. But there are some maybe unique fantasy expectations when it comes to blended families. We think we'll be a normal family right away. We all will love each other just like everyone else's family. We'll all look like everyone else's family. We will not have the problems that other blended families have. So what's the best way to deal with fantasy expectations? It's to deal with reality. Lower the heat on your expectations by living in reality. This seems like a no-brainer. You're going, well, obviously, where am I going to live? We know it, but we don't do it. I unrealistically expect my kids to behave in every situation. Like magically, they'll be able to handle sitting and being quiet in all circumstances. But they won't because they're kids. It's unrealistic. And if I'm really angry every time they don't behave, I'm setting myself up for a difficult parent's life. Now, here are some suggestions. Accept your blended family will differ than a family with two biological parents at home. And that's okay. Make your goal initially respect rather than affection. I know that that's hard, but as it relates to kids and stepkids, respect is really important. Don't microwave the process. Expect adjustments to be an ongoing process. Expect to be a step-parent, maybe not a parent. You need to figure out what that looks like in your situation. And practice patience and forgiveness and patience and forgiveness, and perhaps throw in a dash of patience and forgiveness. Lower the heat on those expectations by living in reality. Here's the second way to lower the heat. Lower the heat on your emotions. Emotions are flying high right now, aren't they? Tensions are mounting, and you don't want to explode, and you don't want the rest of your family to explode. So what do you do? You lower the heat on your emotions by finding opportunities to laugh. 
our God is a God of joy. And finding joy and laughter in the midst of life is a really valuable thing to do. Have you ever been in a really rough situation and, you know, things are heavy? And someone says like the perfect joke to cut the tension and it immediately just lowers the heat. I mean, learning to laugh at yourself or your circumstances doesn't take away the hurt, doesn't take away the problem, but it makes those hurts and problems more bearable and it gives you perspective. So lower the heat on your emotions by finding opportunities to laugh. Here's the third way to lower heat. Lower the heat on doing it alone. Now, a huge hurdle in a family situation is that there are often two different approaches and styles of parenting or approaching life because we've pressed things together so quickly. Regardless of whether they're your, your kids or your spouse's kids, you have to work out as a team. You don't have to figure it out on your own. Your spouse can help you. We can help you even as the church. Here's the way we can do that. Lower the heat on doing it alone by presenting a united front. How do you do that? Well, boundaries. Boundaries are a a healthy thing for families. What are we going to allow? It's making a decision about that. And as you and your spouse need to agree And yeah, that takes a lot of time and effort, but boundaries can be one of the greatest gifts that you give to your kids. But what happens when they break a boundary? Here's the other piece to boundaries. They need discipline too. Now, I know the kids watching this are trying to kind of turn it off, but sometimes it can be tempting to let discipline slide. Maybe you feel guilty about the situation that your family is in, or you just don't feel like you have the ability or effort to discipline, or it's complicated, and you just kind of let it slide. But kid needs boundaries and discipline. So together, be clear about your expectations for your family, and maybe even involve your children and stepchildren in making the rules. Give them a voice in the process. And yeah, there's nothing easy about that, and that's not the most efficient way to go about doing it, but it allows them to have buy-in, and it takes time and effort to do this. Part of making a blended family healthy is doing these two things, taking time and lowering the heat. Now, I know I've covered a lot and I've done it quickly, so I'm going to recap. This is our squad goal. The main ingredient to a blended family is making God your family's top priority. And God desires our families to be healthy. So in a blended family context, you can take time and lower the heat, just like a crock pot. Here's how you do that. Take time to understand. Take time to persevere take time to be flexible. How do you lower the heat? Lower the heat on your expectations by living in reality and putting away those fantasy expectations. Lower the heat on your emotions by finding opportunities to laugh. I love this. Lower the heat on doing it alone by presenting a united front and being in it together. Now, if you're in a step family or a blended family situation, I want to let you know about this amazing resource that could be incredibly helpful 
as you navigate your family recipe. It's called The Smart Step Family by Ron L. Deal. It's a great resource that talks about seven steps on what it looks like to build a healthy family. There's a link to the resource in the description of this video, and I'd encourage you to check that out. Now, one of the amazing things about family recipes is that all of our families are unique. My chili recipe probably isn't the same as yours. And remember, the main ingredient to a blended family is making God your top priority. But after that, I don't know what ingredients are making up your family situation right now. But my encouragement to you, no matter your family dynamic, is to choose one of the ingredients that we talked about today and add it to the recipe. What do you need to add to your family's recipe to make it a healthy family? I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, help us live out our lives in a way that is healthy. Healthy for us as individuals, healthy as parents, and specifically today we're talking about being healthy as blended families. You know exactly what's going on in the lives of our families. You know exactly what we need. You know what ingredient we need to add to change the flavor of how things are going. So help us know, give us wisdom and discernment to apply what we're listening to and and thinking about today into our lives this week. No matter our situation, no matter what our families look like, guide us, help us. And I am so thankful that you are our dad and that you love us so well that you want us to be in the healthiest possible families, including your church family, as possible. Thank you for Jesus and how that brings us close to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray today. Amen.